G'day guys, hope you are kicking ass and taking names. It is your friendly neighborhood coach and I am talking fire slayers with uh, a very well-respected player, a man that I've only briefly met, but uh, I hear nothing but wonderful things from the Magma Droths himself. It is Nathan Thompson. Uh, g'day, g'day, g'day. Welcome to the channel and thank you for bringing me a very interesting Fire Slayers list. This is not normal. This is this is a competitive, but not boring list. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's good fun, but uh, it's different. So, yeah. So Nathan's coming straight out of Geelong. Uh, shout out to the Geelong crew. You know who you are, Coots, Clarky, uh, and thank you for Warpeak for joining up on members. But um, if you're new to the channel, we are talking all things Fire Slayers. And um, Nathan has been doing quite well, been playing Fire Slayers for a long time and um, recently went to an event called Summer Smash, did pretty well. Uh, that's a real-life tournament. And I was looking over the list and I thought it was a very interesting list. It's not a traditional Fire Slayers build where you put all the naked babies on the table, you run them up and you're just super durable the end. Um, so we, I want to explore this with you. I want to kind of go through some of the rules, talk to me a little bit about how you use the runes and all those different things. But start to me, like, what drew you to this army? Because I think for me, it's one of the armies that I think you either love or you hate. And I, I haven't yeah. quite got it just yet. But what drew you to Fire Slayers? Um, well, I got into AOS probably a bit later than most. I, um, I had taken a bit of a break from the hobby before that and... Didn't play a lot of fantasy. I was mostly 40k. And my mates got me into fantasy. So I didn't get to do all the things in fantasy I wanted to do. And one of the things I wanted to do was a heavy Slayer Dwarf list. I always loved those old school Slayers. Yeah, Dragon Slayers. There was just, there was flavor to them. Um, As an Empire I, man, I loved Slayers. And in my my flagellant unit, I still have one Slayer that I just put in there just for, like for lols. Uh, a little, it's actually an old Dwarf Berserker model. Uh, yep. very, very old model, but I loved the Slayer models. There was just something about them, little unit of five that just runs up the board and just cuts sick with, like, super high strength. And yep. Yeah, they, they, they were fantastic. And I saw them, I thought, yeah, look, this is the way to go, I think. I was tossing up between a few different armies. I wanted to do one of the newer lines. I didn't want to sort of rehash some old stuff. So I saw them and thought, this is perfect, so... I picked them up and uh, yeah, haven't really looked back since. I didn't, I didn't play them a lot initially until the new book came out. Um, I, you know, I was still learning the game at that point, but when the new book came out, I've really, really gone all in on them and and pretty much has been my main army ever since. So. If I was picking up Fire Slayers for the first time, what are the strengths and what's the things that like on the table they do the best? They are pure combat beasts. That's what they do best. If you want to get stuck in and just hit stuff. That is their strength. They are one of the, some of the best combat units in the game, I think. Uh, I think Perthguard have a reputation that most people will uh, look at them and they don't want to get in combat with them because they are better than most. Um, they're also quite tough. They're hard to kill. So you just sort of walk up and just get stuck in. There's not a lot of uh, salty with Fire Slayers, um, as you'd expect from angry Fire Dwarves. They're, they're all about the combat. They don't do magic. They do have some shooting, but... Mm, they're not a shooting army. You know, it's a it's a minor side for the most part. You've got a few prayers. You've got a nice yeah. terrain piece, but you know, exactly. you 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 just want to get into combat, yeah. and you're yeah. you're almost like the horde version of a gargant. You just want to yeah. run up to the center of the board, take the objective, and hold as long as possible. You punch hard. You can do some mortal wounds. 
Um, you can double attack at times. You can okay. do some tunneling potentially if you need to, like, quote, unquote, teleport. Uh, but ultimately, you are about a survivability army. I'm going to take you down and um, and I'm going to be super durable. And some of those armor saves, like, the fact that you can get, like, a four-up invulnerable save or a feel-no-pain on, yep. like, a little standard troop kills me. That's, that's great. <laughs> Most of my <laughs> opponents don't think so, but I think it's fantastic. Yeah. And the worst thing is, like, I could bring, like, a whole army of Phoenix Guard and you'd still kick my butt. But I've been on the receiving end of many interesting battles against the Fire Slayers, and they are super durable. You know, when I talk yeah. about shooting the heroes, no army should you shoot the heroes more than against Fire Slayers. You take down exactly. those heroes, and it's not easy. It's been more than a few times that people are like, how do I beat you? And you just kill my heroes. But, but it's not you know, an easy task. Simple, but it's, it's not easy, no. But, you uh, throw so much between, you know, because your heroes as well, right, those heroes that support the Fire Slayers are always within range of your Hearthguard oh, yeah. Berserkers, your Volkite Berserkers. So you've got your Lookout Sir, then you've got the Durability, the only stuff. Um, so unless you've got, like, a lot of, like, Mortal Wounds uh, that can kind of, like, that's, yeah. that's how you're going to chip them away. But yeah. they are a super interesting army. I'd love to see the range expanded. Um, you know, fingers right. crossed. Mini Magmadroth Cavalry, come on. I'd be down for that. Yep, that's a that's a common one. So, I'd, okay, uh, little units of three, little mini mangroves, maybe that'd be that'd be cool. Okay, all right. Well, I don't. I, I have no swinging games workshop, what, despite what people might think I might have. But uh, if I had, I would definitely get you those troops. But we're going to talk about the list that you've run, and um, yep. I'd love your observations as well on. Um, on some of the stuff you're going to get. So we're going to talk about a uh, Volstag list. Um, yep. But before we do that, you know, because there's going to be a lot of Fire Slayers players who are picking this up for the first time, and there's not a lot of Fire Slayers content. And, you know, I'm um, I'm guilty of this because this is only my second piece of Fire Slayers dedicated content. And I think part of it is to do with the fact there's a belief that you just put your army forward and that's it. Like there's not a lot of combinations, and it's just about putting as many like I said, of those bodies, the the Volkites, the um, the Hearthguard, uh, a couple of support tr troops, the end. But I'd love your observations. And I, by the way, I don't really think that, but I think from a list tech point of view, uh, it doesn't excite me as much. But then when I look at some of these rules, you know, the Urgold, I start looking at the the terrain piece, you know, the, the pizza oven. Yep. There's some interesting things that come up. Yeah, I had to say it. I, I, I can't not say it. Uh, I'm sure someone in the chat's going to get angry at me, but it is a pizza oven. I've come to accept it. It's great. It's yeah, great. I had conversion ideas and I've just given up and I'll just, I've, I've accepted it. I can't wait to smash it with a Mega Gargan, by the way. I'm looking forward to smashing it. <laughs> but uh, that's probably the only smashing I'm going to do against a, a big Fire Slayer army. So when I when I take a Fire Slayer's Allegiance, I'm gonna, you know the the big thing. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is I'm going to get the Urgold runes, and yeah. basically what's going to happen is I have a menu of six different runes. So unlike your Deepkin, unlike your uh, Daughters of Cain, where it's like you know turn one, turn two, turn three, turn four, you basically have a menu and you choose which of these items you use each round. Now you can only use them once. Um, so, you know, once you've used the re-roll once to hit, you know, that, that rune's gone, yep. but then you roll a dice and a roll of a six, you get a supercharged version of it and you get extra stuff. How important is that to you, Nathan? And, um, do you have any particular insights by the way, on how you like to use them? Are there certain ones that you like to use at certain times? 
certain runes that com combined with certain units really well. Like, how do you look at the runes? And by the way, for anyone who doesn't know what the runes are, uh, you can get the Rune of Fury that lets you re-roll ones uh, to hit. Um, you've got the uh, the Rune of Searing Heat, which is unmodified wound rolls for attacks uh, of six do an additional point of damage. You've also got the uh, Awakened Steel, which improves the ring characteristic by one. You can add plus one to your bravery. You can add plus two to the movement. And you can also add plus one to hit uh, for your throwing axes. And then if you roll the six, they all have this uh, enhanced effect uh, that sits under it as well. But talk to me about talk to me about these these Urgold runes and um, how you look at them as a competitive player. Yeah, they're um, it's an interesting allegiance ability because it's pretty much all we have, but there's a lot of flexibility there. And I think it's probably one of the trickier things when you first pick up Fire Slayers is just knowing how to use your runes and when to use them properly. Um, you do have six, so you're never going to use all of them in a game. Um, three of them are very much around combat, which is where you want to mm. be. So those are probably your three main go-to ones, and they're all very good effects. They're all going to make your combat much, much better. Um, the other three are a bit more situational, and it kind of depends on who you're fighting. Um, the movement one's excellent. Um, more often than not, I tend to use that one turn one because you get an extra two inches, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're only moving four inches, um, you know, it, it adds up. In Vostol, you're also moving a lot quicker because of an allegiance ability, and we'll get to that, but it means you can be quite quick on turn one and just sort of move up and get in position. Um, but it's also useful on, say, missions like Star Strike, where you don't know where the objectives are. Mm. That's often a mission where you'll hold on to it. And say turn two or three, if it drops a little bit too far off, it can then use that little speed boost to try and get over where you need to be. So depending on the mission and the player, um, it allows you to maybe just get on that objective that one turn earlier or, or move across. So um, you're looking sort of turns two, three, four. Generally, you're looking to use one of your three different combat ones. Um, the rend and the rerolling hits of one are probably the two really big ones. Yeah. Um, that really good and the supercharged effect on those are the two best um some of the supercharged effects are fairly average um but those two are really brokenly powerful <laughs> i was looking at relentless zeal and i'm like you get the yeah. plus two to the charge roll which sounds really yeah. good but the likelihood of hitting a turn one charge yeah. uh, unless unless you've got an ultra aggressive opponent who takes the top of turn one the likelihood of you needing the, the the plus two to the charge. I mean, it might get you a lucky charge, but uh, and maybe some of those those scenarios that have like a smaller uh, gap between you and your opponent's deployment. But yeah, when I look at some of these things, like uh, in, you know, improve the rend by an additional one, so you can potentially have rend two. Uh, or actually, no, you improve the rend by two, so that means yeah. what, some of your things could be rend three. Exactly. Wow. Which you know, if you're fighting, say say you're fighting uh, more tech guard, that's really really good. So, you know, there's, and, oh, but if you're fighting Nighthaunt, it's now completely rubbish. So, <laughs> um, there's a, yeah, there's a little bit of give and take, but the main one you really like is that rerolling ones. You get plus one attack army wide, which is just game ending. Um, you're already hitting hard, and then to just have that big boost, it's, um, it's back breaking for sure. And so, you've got the ability to double pile in, um, for yeah. a particular unit as well. How, exactly. And I know you said some things are situational. You know, you said Ren, for example, against something like Ethereal is not as important. Uh, yeah. But I imagine in most cases, Ren will be a, an important piece. Yeah. I look at something like the the Fiery Determination, adding the plus one to the Bravery characteristic. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you happen to roll a six, you don't take Battleshock. Am I right to assume that's probably the least useful? Yeah, there'll be some situations, but it's probably the least useful of them. 
I should say it's the second least useful. I found playing Vostok, it has some some play. So the, one of the other lodges is Hermdar, where you're pretty much immune to Battleshock. And in that case, yes, it is useless. But the other three lodges aren't immune to Battleshock. So in those lodges, it can be a little bit uh, more situational. Often good on a turn one if you don't want to use your movement up. Um, you're fighting an enemy with a bit of shooting, or you're a bit worried about a double turn. You can use that just to sort of prevent you from Battleshocking and having to use a CP. Um yeah, I was going to say, like, because you've got Bravery 8, you've got Bravery 8, in most cases you're not going to get many additions to plus one. Like, you know, you're not a, you're not a horde army. Like, yes, you can get 20 Volkites, um, but you're mostly going to be sitting in, in units of five or units of ten. So uh, eight is kind of like where you're going to be. Yeah, so it's not great, but the, occasionally it's a little bit of a insurance policy, I guess you'd say. Um, the other one, that I, I think it's up on the, the second half of the page there, but it's the adding adding a bonus to your your throwing axes that you do, um, and adding one to hit for that's it's sort of, yeah, it's all right. You're hitting on fives and winning on fives, so you know. Now I was going to say, I was going to say, like you've, you know, they're they're range eight, they're hitting on fives at the moment. Is it is there any ways to really boost that other than not that really? Room? So that one, you know, against Nighthaunt, you use that because you can't use your rent. You might be able to pop a hero. Um, but otherwise, that one's probably the one that gets used the least by me. Um, very situational, but very rarely used. So um, it's it's all about those three combat ones, really. And just depends on your opponent, what you want to use. If, if there's something that you really need to take out, you really need to assess, do you want to reroll the hits to make sure you kill it? Or do you need the extra rent to get through the armor? Um I find that the extra wound is more of the turn turn three, turn four one when you've used the other two big ones. Um, so you rend and you reroll hits of one are big. And reroll hits of one, you can often save that if you've got a bit of damned terrain. Earthguard love yeah. damned terrain. Um, you know, we've got to save against the mortal wounds. You might take a wound and get your reroll hits of one. It's a no-brainer. Um, the other reason it's good is because Hearthguard have two different weapon options. You've got the axes and you've got the mortal wound output of the fire pikes, uh, the flame pikes. Yeah. And those you really want to be re-rolling to get those sixes. I was Sorry, just I was yeah. just about to say that smoldering uh that the, the flames the flame spike polax yep. by yep. rolling a six to wound um you get six a, to hit six a, to hit Oh, six to hit. Sorry, I was, I was thinking yeah, it's a wound for hit. some reason. No. Uh, you inflict two mortal wounds in addition. So uh, I can see why they're re-rolling ones to hit. Um, one, it's just going to be crazy because it's going to be army-wide. But then two, you, you know, you're saving your CP for later turns, and maybe that's when you apply, uh, you know, re-rolling in other turns, you know, as you've kind of done your chip damage. Exactly. So, mm. It's a good way to sort of go, right, I've got 20 of these blokes. Before I lose a few, let's pop this one and blow a hole in the enemy army. So um, it depends on your army composition a bit and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, there you go, twos. Yeah, you don't so, to yeah. so getting the plus two movement on turn one is probably where you're going to be unless someone like Alpha strikes you and gets you know, in front of your face turn one. Turn two is mostly going to be something like Rune Fury, or searing heat again depending on the situation and what you're at uh and then maybe later on going for the rend uh and if required the bravery again give or take if you're playing something like night haunt or you know phoenix yeah. guard or whatever the other thing that um is worth considering is if you think you're going to get double turned um these runes last to your next hero phase so if you if you're going to move your boys up into the middle of the table and think i can give away a turn here or get double turned you can just pop that and sort of go, if you want to charge me, by all means. Um, 
but I'm going to hit really hard for two turns. So there's that consideration as well. Um, so that might actually be a reason for your opponent to give you, to give you the turns so you don't get the double turns. You're like, oh, I can't really handle you re-rolling ones and doing that explosive damage again, especially if you get the, the enhanced effects. You're like, I want it out of this ASAP. Yep. You take the turn. And that's something I'll touch on later on is there's a bit of mind games when you play Fire Slayers. Um, it's one of those things that people don't realise, but that, that that's part of it. So <laughs> Just shoot the hero. Uh, yeah, and then... Other than so, once you use the rune, you no longer can use it. So you've got you've got six to choose from, five battle rounds, whatever it might yeah. be. The other benefit is you're going to have like a sub allegiance where you can take Volsarg, uh, you know, Hemdar is the other one that's a big one. Yeah. You've got four different options, but the one we're going to talk about is Volstag. Um, yeah. We'll get to the rules on, on on what it's bringing to your army, and I'd love to understand why you chose that. Uh, what do you call them? You call them lodges. That's lodges, right. Yeah. Lords of the Lodge, of course, lodges. Uh, and I'll find out why you chose what you chose. But before we do that, I want to talk about your allegiance terrain. And I was rereading them, and I, and a lot of players that I, I I seem to play, they don't really care about this. I don't know. It's because they're not keeping their rune their their rune smiter or their priests, you know, in the backfield. They're always chasing up their dudes up the battlefield. Uh, or for some other reason. But when I look at these rules, they're actually quite interesting rules. You get, you know, yeah. plus one to your prayers um, for the Fire Slayers if they're within six of the uh, the Magmic the magmic Battle Forge. And then you've got this once per, once per battle, you stop casting um, or you can't use the Molten uh, Blessings anymore, but you do get a, a re-roll to save rolls of one for yeah. friendly Fire Slayers in, on the battlefield. So... They, that's quite an interesting rule for something that's free. Yeah. Um, how do you play with it? Is it something that you consider in your list? Are you keeping a priest in the backfield to take advantage of it? Is it a turn one only kind of thing? Is it something that you think about long term? Yeah, it's definitely a long term consideration. So one of the weird things is how it's deployed. It doesn't get deployed like normal terrain. You don't do it before you set your armies up. You actually have to have a priest on the table. So you do it after deployment. So you really do have to think about it when you're deploying because sometimes you'll set up and think, oh, I didn't think about where I'm going to put the damn thing. Uh, now I'm sort of stuck. I, I kind of have to put it there. So you really have to think a little bit ahead. And then, like you were saying, you're going to chase your units up the table, but then you kind of want to put it forward. Mm. If you put it too far back, you're only going to use it once. So um, it's not ideal. In, in the list that we'll go through in a second, you know, I'm throwing a couple of priests pretty far up the table quickly turn one. So I want to have it as forward as possible so when I activate it, they'll still be in range um, because you really want some of those prayers. Some of those prayers going off on a two-up, it's just that much more consistent, which is great. Um, yeah. I was wondering... I was wondering if it was going to be similar to the more pot in ogres because you often find, especially if you're taking like a beast claw raiders build, you know your stone horns are running up the board. You get like one turn. It's nice to have, but it's not required. Um, I guess your dudes aren't running as fast, but you know six inches is a very short range. And yeah. to me, having your your priests close to your units is far superior than anything like this. It is, yeah, but you can play around a little bit. Um, if, if you know that you're going to just leg it up the table and you're not going to use it, you just blow it up turn one and give yourself that Mystic Shield, which, again, gives you a bit of a double turn insurance. Um, but it's sort of in your terrain, in your deployment zone, and there's a lot of missions where that's still half the table. So mm. you can sort of throw it up in front of you, and then you 
by the time you get to the half table, you're often still in range to activate it. You only need to be within about six inches, I think, um, to activate it. And then it gives you an 18 inch bubble. So as long as you're moving up with it, you can often get two or three turns out of it. Um, I think a lot of people, myself included, when we first used it, we didn't really think much of it, exactly how you were describing it. You maybe use it turn one and then kind of neglect it. Mm. Uh, I've also found it quite useful as a bit of a bit of an annoying screen in a way. So missions like Knife to the Heart, you can sort of put it on one table edge and you know, if your opponent's going to come at you, they sort of got to go around it a little bit or at least up and over it type thing just to add a few extra inches into a nine-inch charge, trying to force them into the side that you want them to come on. Um, you can use it to sort of protect your heroes. Uh, if, you, you know, if you're using Realms and you go Ulgur, you can use to hide behind it, for example. So there's a, there's a few other subtle uses for it that people don't really consider. But um, No, it's, yeah. it's one of those ones that people don't talk that much about. It just seems no. to be, yeah, but it's so it's... Your prayers are very, very good at supercharging your army. And if you can make most, most of your prayers are three up, this makes them two up. And that's really, really important. So the only thing it doesn't affect is endless uh, prayers, which is a bit of a shame. But um, the, the basic War Scroll prayers on Rune Smiters are very, very good. Um, and you really want some of them. And some of the ones that you can pick from your table are also very powerful. So having that consistency is um, really, you can't, can't overstate it enough. Really no, no, because there's not a lot of re-rollings to your prayers. No. It's not like yeah, it's, it's not really like daughters of Cain. It's not like uh, your corn priest. It's it's. Yeah. I remember I remember playing a bunch of fire slayers, and it's really like a three plus. It either is or it isn't. So yeah. getting that plus one and just guaranteeing a little bit more uh, just really helps. So it's, um, yeah, it's really really good, and it's free. It, it costs you it's nothing free. to bring this this exactly. terrain piece. So exactly. So yeah, you just got to think about it, and yeah. Anything else? Yeah, because you deploy it after everyone's deployed. Um, sometimes you might get a little bit lucky if they've deployed something that you kind of want to make a little bit more of a difficult run towards you, like a really big blob. You can just sort of shove it in front of them. Um, you still got to deploy it within range of your priest, but if they've if they've set up in a way that you think this is actually a hindrance to them, um, you've got that as well. Not doesn't happen often, but it can help. You know, big gargan. Well, actually, no gargans can step over it, can't they? But uh, you know, no. Oh, uh, how tall is it? Gargans can only step over. To terrain pieces of four inches i think i don't think i don't think any games workshop terrain pieces are actually under four okay. four inches but i just want to smash it with a gate breaker just by the way but the likelihood of getting to it is is slim to none uh but i do want to call out as well jared uh, i will bring this comment up jared's mentioned as well that volstark has yeah. some white dwarf battalions as well so i don't remember i don't remember exactly which edition but in the um uh in the celestial in the celestial um, tomes, there are some additional uh, battalions you can tap into in addition to the ones in is, your yeah. battle tome. It's one of the earliest uh, ones that they did. So I think it's the second one they did ever. So it is a while ago. But And one of them is actually quite interesting. Um, it makes Volkites, who are normally a bit of an average unit, it makes them a little bit more fun to play. So <laughs> Volkites, um, an average unit. Oh, they're an average unit. But that's, it, like it, say, um, that's like saying change host is slow. <laughs> True, but uh, it, it just gives you a little bit of extra play in, in your army, so which is good because we don't have a lot of options. So yeah. no, and you know there, there's there's one particular battalion you see a lot of, and it just gives you a little bit of diversity. If you want to bring down your power lever a little bit, if you want to go to your local game store and have a bit more of a friendly matchup or play with some of your different toys, um, absolutely, you know, tap into these battalions. But there is certainly one battalion that rules them all. We've got Volstag. And uh, there's a couple of things you're going to get from this. And, you know, I'd love to understand, are all four of these important or is one of these attacks? 
um, why this particular lodge as opposed to the other ones. But for anyone who doesn't know, uh, I know people on the podcast uh, might not be able to visually see this, but a couple of things you're going to get is the Fearsome Surge, which is an ability, and you get to add plus one to the charge roll for Volstark units. So I imagine this combines well with the rune of plus two. So yep, if you get it, it's uh, not bad. Yeah, if, yeah, absolutely. Uh, in addition, in your movement phase in the first battle round, uh, you can declare a friendly Volstark unit can run. Uh, do not make a run roll. Instead, make it just a flat six. So, yep. you know, again, not having to spend a command point to get a plus, uh, get get a six-inch run. Huge, huge. And that's one uh, of the two big ones in this. So this pairs with the uh, command trait, you know, in a way that's really, really good. So th that's, yeah, that's what it's all about. Uh, and I love the little combination when we start moving over to the command trait. And I was just thinking if you happen to roll a six on your rune uh yep. i will jump i will jump to the to the side here command trait uh is friendly volstag units wholly within 12 inches of the model at the start of your movement phase can run uh and then charge so hold up i can yep. get plus two to my movement uh yep. from the rune i get plus i know that this is charge plus two so plus two the movement from the the rune i get yep. a flat six run roll uh, if I happen to roll a six on the rune, I get plus two to the charge from the rune, plus one from the fearsome surge, and I can still charge. <laughs> yeah, you can. And it's at the start of your movement phase, so you don't actually have to stick with that hero. You can go off in another direction. So that's that's a really important part of that wording, at the start of the movement phase. So um, two implications. One, you can go off in another direction, but two... You really need to think about that turn one when you're deploying, because if you stuff that up, which I have, you sit there and go, well, that was the whole point of playing this army and I've just buggered it up. So you need to make sure that hero is next to what you want running and charging turn one, because um, you are fast on turn one and people do not expect it. No, no. Like people know that Fire Slayers tunnel, but people don't think about the speed of Fire Slayers. And I know when I've played Fire Slayers opponents in the past, the, the number one thing they worry about is being outside of their buffs because one you're on 32 mil bases um so you know while 12 inches sounds relatively generous on a 32 mil base it's actually quite easy for you to um uh to to get yourself out and funnily enough actually uh my last game against um a fire slayers opponent when they piled in they piled in actually outside of it they got one model outside of their buff um yep. So it's super easy to fall outside of your 12 inches. So for me, like that's been like the number one thing is one, take out the heroes or protect your heroes. But then two, you've got to be really careful about that. Those, those very short synergy ranges. If you can bait them into overextending, it's a, it's a bit of a problem. So I think someone in the chat was asking, how do I beat them? Bait them into overextending. Uh, it can really hurt. That that's where I found the most success is uh, either one mortal mortal wounds from an ability um, because you know look at sir having a minus one to hit will just make it a little bit harder for your mortal wounds. But if you have an ability that can do uh, mortal wounds, that's just going to be able to take down heroes. I mean, it's not easy, but no, no. It, it's much easier than having to shoot them down. Yes. Um, and as you said, stretch them out. Like, you know, you don't have a lot of bodies, so stretch them out as much as possible. Make, you know, tag them from both sides. Try to pull them out and break those uh, those 12-inch bubbles. Yep, exactly. If you can get them to do that, yeah. And the one thing I found with running Vostok is I do try and tell 
my opponents look. I am quick on turn one. But people look at you and go, you're playing dwarves. No, you're not. Um, and short of telling them what I'm going to do, I, I can't. I can't. I can tell them the rules. I can say what I'm going to do, and they still just don't think it's going to happen on turn one, and it does. So it's it's one of those ones that will catch people off guard the first couple of times they play against Vostok. I think, you know, by the third time if they haven't picked up picked up on it, well, that's that's on them. But um, it it will catch people off guard big time. And as Ricky said in the chat as well, you know, um, if you have your tunneling, you know, your magmic tunneling from uh, your fire slayers. You know, this is a nice little way to help guarantee or at least improve your chances of tunneling and then charging. So, um, what what it, uh, what do you do if they don't take the bait? Marty's asked. Uh, you got to get good at your mind games or get them drunk. Go and get them a drink from the bar and see what you can do. And if they refuse, you tell them what kind of dwarf are you or dwarf and are you, and uh, try try to psychologically bait them. <laughs> That's the way to do it. The other two rules, and then I'll actually get your real, real thoughts. Uh, you got your command ability, which at the start, so you can use a command ability at the start of the combat phase. If you do so, pick a friendly Volstar hero uh, until the end of that phase. Add plus one to hit for attacks made by that hero uh, for your Hearthguard Berserkers and your uh, so your Volpat Berserkers and your Hearthguard Berserkers wholly within twelve, and you can't use it more than once. So. We've got the ability to reroll ones from a rune, obviously reroll ones from uh, command ability and so command point, and we also have uh, an ability at plus one. So that brings your threes down to twos. It does. It does. And your your wall scroll prayer on all your rune smiters is reroll wounds, just flat reroll wounds. So you can make some hearthguard berserkers who are already pretty powerful, extremely extremely reliable. So. Um, it's it, it's one of those ones that you look at and think that's great, but I have found it's more situational. Um, it's good against anything with a you know neg one neg two to hit uh, Lumineth, for example, with their um, shining company, for example. It can help offset that, or it can just help really uh, just sort of step on an opponent hard and fast. Unfortunately, um, it don't always use it, but when you do, it's it's really really good. Talking about command points. Do you find, how do you find your command point situation? Do you find like you have a lot? Do you find like you have to make really tough choices on where you spend them? Is it something, you know, early on you try to conserve them? Where's your point command point game at? Um, I think turns one and three, you generally have enough to do what you want to do. Then you start to run a dry a little bit. Armies like Lumineth or anything that can steal a command point, Lumineth making two command points, they, they, they hurt. Um, that can make you think about it, but that's the same for any army. Um, Fire Slayers kind of have a couple of command abilities that are above and beyond better than everything else. Um, you really don't care about the other command abilities. You want to be doing so in Hermda, it's Strike First. You want to be doing that. So that's what you're going to be doing. You're immune to Battleshock. You don't care about that CP. You've got a reroll one, so there's a turn you don't have to care about that CP. And in this army, um, you really just kind of want either... If you've got the spare CP, that command ability is great, but re-rolling a slightly long charge is probably better because you're trying to get up turn one. So I find that, yeah, first few turns, you're generally not starved for points. You've always got a battalion, um, so you've always got two out of the gate, sometimes three if you buy one, so you're generally pretty good off for, for your CP early game. Um, I, I was going to say that I imagine that um, any way you can increase your movement is just going to mean that you don't have to re-roll those charges. The fact that, you know, in, in Volstag as well, you get the flat six and you can run and charge. Uh, again, I just, you know, I'm keeping command points from re-rolling the charge, well, most of the time. I'm sure there'll be you know, very rare occurrences where you fail it still, but 
you know, you've almost guaranteed yourself a charge. So you're keeping those command points, you know, money in the bank. Exactly. Just the upset reliability, which is what Firesly is like. So, uh, and, I, and I really find that you get real value for money. Again, I keep talking about this double pile in ability that you can attack and then attack at the end of the combat phase um, in, in a certain build or a certain combination. Uh, so if I'm spending, you know, uh, burning a rune and then I'm spending a command point, you're really getting incredible value. And then if you happen you to are. be double turn, you've just got this even more value from uh, a very finite resource so exactly and that, that is why you we have a few command abilities that are just so much better than the others because of that double attack and, yeah. and things like that you're really just getting extra benefit you, you know it's almost almost a cheap cp for us at that point so uh, you, you you know so so far uh the ability the command ability and the command trait there's no fat it's it's all no, really good no. Then we look at the artifact of power, the Vossax, uh, at the start of the battle, pick one of the, the bearer's melee weapons, improve that weapon's rend by one. In addition, unmodified hit rolls for attacks made by the weapon of a six adds plus one to damage. Yep, it's good. I, I just had flashbacks of you rolling a six on the uh, the um, yep, the improve rune. improve rend rune, so you get yep. plus one from the, the Vossax, Plus one from the rune. If you roll a six, it's a plus one. Yeah. I'm sure your weapons already have a rend one. So you're like rend fouring. Uh, if you happen to have a rend minus two already, it's like rend five. Yeah. And the two heroes that you want to throw this on is either your rune father. He's only got three attacks, but he is a flat three damage, rend one. So this makes him rend two, flat three damage, which is great. Um, he does benefit from that command ability if he's the one that uses it. So suddenly he's dishing out a lot of pain. The other one, and it's not in my list, but the Grimwrath Berserker with the Vossax is a really good choice. He can attack twice, so you're looking at potentially eight attacks a turn. I think he's rend, rend two or rend three, two damage. Solid little little hit piece. Um, so there, there's, there's heroes in this army that can take advantage of that weapon and really get hard with it. So Yeah, he's, he's already he's already rend two. And then when he dies, he can pile in again. Again, <laughs> yep. So he can hit pretty hard. He goes up to rend three, two damage. He might even pop it up to three if he hit a six. So suddenly it's uh, yeah, it's real solid. That's that's crazy. So let's actually get into your list. So again, you've been playing this. Uh, you know, you've play, been playing this particular list and variants of the list. Yeah. Uh, and you've already mentioned, you know, you could put in a Grimwrath Berserker. You could manipulate, you know, different parts here and there, yeah. but. One of the things that I really wanted to pick out, and one of the reasons why I want to speak to you, Nathan, was when I looked at your list, one, you did well at, uh, at a real-life tournament. This is not a TTS event. This is a real-life yeah. tournament. Yeah. But two, you were running Magma Droths, and I don't see a lot of Fire Slayers players bringing Magma Droths. They do it for lols more than ever. Most of your points are going into, you know, your foot troops and your foot heroes. And you were crazy enough not just to take one magma drop, but you took three magma drops. Yep. So I really wanted to understand how this list worked, what what the fire the the magma drops were bringing. And obviously, we'll talk about the list in your experience. But for me, you know, I think Fire Slayer players might be looking for something interesting and something different. And I think this is a really good example. Uh, it is no silver bullet, guys. It's just one particular way of building it. You season for taste, but. Uh, We'll go through the list, and then you can explain yep. some of your rationale on why. So we start off with the uh, the Rune Father on Magma Droth, which is the general. It has fiery in, uh, endurance. Uh, 
It has the Volsax, which is coming from your Lodge of Volstag. Uh, and you've also got the Magma Droth trait, Coal Heart Ancient. Yep. You then have a Rune Smiter on Magma Droth, which is the Key Forge with the Droth Helm, with the Coal Heart Ancient Magma Droth trait, and the Prayer of Gilded Claws. You've also got a Rune Smiter on Magma Droth, key, a Forge Key with the Searing Heart Prayer. You've got a Auric Runes Master with the Prayer of Ash. You've also got a Battlesmith. You've also got yourself 20 Hearthguard Berserkers with the Broadaxe. You've got 10 Hearthguard Berserkers with the Broadaxe, 10 Volkite Berserkers with the War Picks and Sling Shields. You have the Battalion Lords of the Lodge, um, which is going to force your hand on some of these choices. And you've also taken the Runic Firewall Endless Spell coming in at a total of 2,000 points, 133 wounds. So, um, yeah, let's let's go from the top or let's go from where you, from your decision tree point of view. Like, Talk to me about some of the rationale because I think for me as well, why a rune father? Why not three rune spiders? Why not why why not all three rune fathers? You know what I mean? Like, what's the the rationale as well? Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to say that I didn't brew up this list, so this was uh, a list that I did see at another tournament. Good player did. I think his name's Colin Colin Cochran or something like that in Ireland. And I'd been playing a lot of off the wall stuff at that point, trying to find something unique in Fire Slayers, and I had a few that I liked. And I saw this and thought, no, I'm going to give this a crack, and I really really enjoyed it. Um, it's a hell of a lot of fun, and I've been tweaking and trying to play with it, but. The list as its core is really solid. So the Rune Fathers, uh, you need a Rune Father for Lords of the Lodge, for starters. So you have to take the Rune Father. Same with the Rune Master and the Battlesmith. They're all part of the Lords of the Lodge, and you are always taking Lords of the Lodge. It's um, it's so good. It, in a competitive environment, you will always take it. If you're playing a friendly, maybe not so much, but those are the three heroes you have to take. So those and are Lords the and the and Lords of the Lodge, you, you're taking the, the Auric Rune Father, which is keyworded, so I imagine that's yeah, the Magma Droth. That's right. And then everything else isn't keyworded, so you've got the Rune Master, the Battle Mage, uh, sorry, the Battlesmith, and um, the the, Ber the Berserkers, the Hearthguard Berserkers, and it is going to, if the unit of Hearthguard Berserkers from this battalion is wholly within 12 of a hero, so that's your that's that's all three of those choices, the Rune Father, the, the Rune... Yep. Uh, at the start of the combat phase... Uh, uh, then after the unit has fought, uh, it, it can fight again, basically. It can fight a second time after it's fought. So that's brutal. Yes, that's great. It's, it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So um, the Rune Father being on a Magma Droth is particularly good. And So you were saying before, occasionally you'll see a, a Magma Droth in a list, but it's a Magma Droth, and it's either a Rune Smiter or a Rune Father. I think the Rune Father, the rationale usually is that it's got a bigger buff bubble because you're on a bigger base. Um, now, it's really important in this list because that buff bubble is that run and charge um so you know the bigger that bubble is even if it's an extra inch or two really really important um and it's also an extra range if you are close to that 20 hearth guard lets them attack twice as well so i was gonna say like having a foot troop uh rune father trying to keep 12 20 hearth guard berserkers in a 12 inch bubble yeah. is probably near impossible but all of a sudden when you start putting on what is it a 90 inch oval so ninety yeah. inch. That's a big. That's a big base. Um, and you know, you've got, if you've got a, like an, a, a, a quite a larger oval base, all of a sudden that twelve inches becomes very easy to manage for a block of twenty. Yep. And uh, the other heroes are more support heroes, so you're not trying to get them up in combat. So they're a bit easier to sort of keep the bubble in range. But the Rune Father was always the the one with the command trait that you were trying to keep there. So yeah, exactly right. Um, and two Rune Smiters on Magma Droth. Um, Actually, I'll go through the, uh, the traits as well because they're kind of important. The Coal Heart Ancient ignores a point of rending combat. 
So if you're Ren 2, you're now Ren 1 when you're hitting the Magma Drop. So it just makes them a little bit harder to kill. He's got a 4-up save base. Um, so that, that pairs well with some of the other traits, and we'll get to that. Um, so we've got two Rune Smiters. Um, so the second Rune Smiter is the one that's all sort of tooled up with everything. He's got the Droth Helm. And what the Droth Helm is, is it allows you to reroll the hit rolls on the Magma Droth Claws. That's any Magma Droth within 6 inches. Just within, not wholly within. Um, and you're often running these up as a trio. You, you're running them all side by side. Um, now, the problem with Magma Droths and why you don't see them is because their main damage output is their claws. It's damage 2, neg 1, 6 attacks, but it hits on 4s, which can be very unreliable. Now you're re-rolling those. So suddenly it goes from maybe getting only 2 hits or just whiffing completely to actually putting out 4 or 5 hits relatively reliably. Um, and that's really big. It apps the damage. You're still not taking out whole armies with it, but now they're a little bit scary. So um, when you've got 3 of them and you're re-rolling all the hits on all those claws, suddenly it's... Uh, just that little bit better. So that's what that Droth Helm is. Is that why, is that why, uh, so with, with it hitting on fours, is that why you avoid something like the Fire Claw Adult, you know, making the uh, wound rolls, you know, Ren 3 or you know, looking at some of the other damage dealing Magma Droth traits? It, you're probably better off having a more survivable Magma Droth so that you yeah. can keep that 12 inch bubble around as long as possible compared to the damage dealing monster that you probably attempted to build but yep. does it work as well as something that's more durable? Exactly. It's, on paper, some of those seem really good, but in practice, they don't tend to pan out very well. Um, you throw that Droth Helm in, though, and now they're, now they're cooking with gas a little bit. Um, that's much better. These traits, the Coalheart Ancient, and what that is is essentially Mystic Shield for Magma Droths, again, within six inches. So suddenly all these three Magma Droths are rerolling armor saves of one, which is quite good. Um, and the reason I've taken Rune Smite is instead of, say, Rune Suns, is that the Rune Smiters on Magma Droth have a War Scroll ability that's once per game. You can pop it, and it's plus one armor save bubble, wholly within 12 inches. It's stackable. So, you pop them both at the same time, suddenly your Magma Droths are sitting on a two-up armor save, re-rolling ones for a turn until your next hero phase. So that's where sort of the, the tech in the list starts coming into play. And that Did you mean, really did you mean to have the Ashcorn Ancient on the Rune Smiter? Because uh, you've got two coal hearts there. I did, yeah. Sorry, that's a mistake. It's meant to be the Ashhorn. Sorry. My yeah, bad. you started talking about Ashhorn. I'm like, yeah, sorry. I, I thought I was going crazy. I couldn't see on the list. So you've got, uh, you've got your Rune Father with the coal heart ancient, coal reducing heart, yep. the rend by one, and then yep. for your Rune Smiter, uh, you're taking the Ashhorn to create wow. this, uh, yeah, Mystic Shield type bubble. So re-rolling saves of one. Uh, exactly. within six and again it's a big base so you've you've got quite a, a juicy exactly and this sort of comes back to what we we're talking about before is why wouldn't you just pop say your terrain piece turn one you don't need to in this list because that's happening all the time mm. so you don't necessarily need that on these units they're just getting it for free so suddenly you rune father for example he's sitting on a potentially a, a three up two up armor save ignoring a point of rend re-rolling ones so suddenly he becomes a lot harder to kill um, and can really tank some damage, and that's what the whole list is about, those three Magma Droths. Now, Magma Droths are also quite fast. They're moving at, I think, 12 inches base. So that turn one with your guaranteed 6-inch run, now you're moving 18 inches. You pop your plus 2 movement, you're moving 20 inches. So even when you're deploying 24 inches apart, you're up in their face turn one. You've got plus 1 to charge. So turn one, these Magma Droths are they're in, they're in combat. So you want them to be survivable. It's good insurance against a double turn. You can actually give the turn away, and quite often you will in this list, uh, especially against other combat armies. You'll just get those three Magma Droths in, tie up a good chunk of the enemy army, 
pop all those buffs off and they just can't kill them for a couple of turns. So you'll give the double turn away because you know you can survive and tank that damage. Um, meanwhile, the rest of the army is moving up behind them, taking objectives or even better, getting into combat. So it's all about using that once per game ability on both of the rune smiters. Um, now if you're in a mission where you say only 18 inches apart, you often get that battlesmith up as well. Mm. And he's got another plus one armor save bubble. So suddenly you're looking at one up armor save magmajoths with rerolling ones, which is just fantastic. That's that's the prayer of ash uh, prayer. No, that's, that's just the battlesmith's uh, just base war scroll ability, oh. and you do have prayer of ash as well. So that's another option. Um, so you've got a bit of flexibility where you throw these plus armor save bubbles around. Um, you know, if, if your battlesmith's not going to be in range, where well, you can throw a prayer of ash on the rune father or the rune smarter that's giving out all these buffs, just to make him a lot harder to kill. So, if you were in Volstark, would you tap into something like Ember Storm to get the re to the run and charge? Probably would, and I think a lot of Hermdar players do do that. They will have that prayer. Uh, again, though, there's no reliability in it. Whereas this army, it's it just is. Uh, it happens, and that's brilliant. So, and you probably don't need it. You having more durable through things like Prayer of Ash and the Gilded Claws and. Uh, even Searing Heat is probably better from a durability point of view than Ember Storm. But if you, again, if you weren't in this lodge and you're in a different lodge, Ember uh, Ember Storm uh, could be quite useful, again, to get you up the board. Yeah, it is. but And it's also only one unit, whereas this army is doing it the whole army, more or less, if you deploy right. So, um, And you, you said Gilded Claws, and that's the one you don't actually see very often. The reason that's in there, that's reroll wounds on the Magma Joth Claws. Uh, and bearing in mind both rune smiters have the reroll wounds and they can both cast it much like corn can any war scroll prayers they can cast as many times as you have um and you can throw them you know if, if you think your hearth guard are going to get in you throw a reroll wounds on the hearth guard for sure but if you're just going to get your magma drops in you can have all three rerolling hits rerolling wounds on their claws um you know you throw up the the, the reroll wounds from the rune smiters on themselves you pop the gilded claws on the rune father and then you're uh, then you're rolling in some decent damage at that point so uh, there's flexibility in the list and you can you can tailor it to how you're gonna think you're gonna be in combat turn one um but it's yeah a lot of reliability which is what it keeps coming back to and jared jared's in the chat just pointed out um he's a big fan of played a perfect protection in combination with yep. cole Hart ancient uh with the prayer of ash and a banner makes it two plus re-rolling ones ignore rend of minus two so yeah. take that carriage and overlords exactly it doesn't work against shooting it's only in combat the coal heart ancient is only in combat unfortunately but plate of perfect protection but does perfect is not so because i, I take that for my guardians like that's my one and only defense against ko i'm like yep. ah, ignore rend one but even when you're a two up or a one up, even if they've got a rend or two, you don't care that much. A three up rerolling ones are still very hard to shoot, shoot through. So bring it on. No, that's they dig it. So you got your three magma droths. Um, they're there. One for a big base. Two, they they do some decent damage. You know, they're probably a little bit inconsistent compared to maybe some other behemoths. Yes. But you're not taking them as vampire lords on zombie dragons. You're not taking no. them as more crushers. Uh, I see them very similar to the free guild general on Griffin. It holds yeah. its it holds its own, but yeah. it's better off as a support piece and choosing when it gets into battle than running it up the board like a big missile and and thinking you're gonna smash your opponent because it will it will it will die pretty quickly. It will, yeah. And they've got a few other abilities that I think a lot of people overlook. So they've got a shooting attack, which when you when you're running turn one you're not using, but you don't have to roll to hit with it, and it's good. Uh, you have to roll under the unit strength. 
and it's just flat mortal wounds. And when you're in half range, it's just a flat D6 mortals. So when you have three of those, you can really knock out a unit. They've got a, a tail attack at the end of combat that tends to be D3 mortal wounds. Uh, when you wound them, they splash mortal wounds on you on a 4+. Plus. Um, and often you'll get a lot of damage out of that. Um, when you're not running a Droth Helm, you do more damage from your splashback than you do the uh, Magma Droths half the time, unfortunately. And that's why you don't see people take them. Um, but there's just that extra little chip damage that they throw out all over the place that really makes them pretty decent once you can give them a bit of a buff. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just reading uh, Weapon Breaker as well. That's a really interesting one. Uh, yeah. At the end of combat phase, pick one enemy hero within three of this model and roll a dice on a roll of a six. Pick one of its melee weapons and subtract one to the hit rolls made by that weapon for the rest of the battle. So, I mean, it is a six. Uh, you know, it's it's not. Uh, but but you know, subtracting one to hit from a hero uh, hero uh, again just makes you a little bit more durable if you get stuck in combat. There's also the um, the neg two bravery from the rune father, or the, the neg d three bravery. I think it is. Sorry, um, within three inches, and that can be that can be kind of useful too. So, yeah. I dig it. So you've got your, you've got your Battlesmith, you've got your Rune Master there, and obviously they're, they're coming with you because of Lords of the Lodge. Is that a tax? Like, are they are they only there because of the Battalion, or uh, are they there as well? The Battlesmith gives you plus one armor save bubble, which is great. Um, and it's got another another ability that's not often used, but some missions is good. When he dies, a nearby unit can pick up his banner, and they can't move, or can't move after that, but they can re-roll everything, basically. Reroll hits, reroll wounds. So if you're on an objective and you have no plans of moving and he does die, you can just make that objective all that much harder to take off. So uh, he's not really taxed. He's Generally, you see him taking the artifact in most fire sale lists because he's got the access to the anti-magic bubble. So mm. you often see him have the artifact. So this list doesn't have the magic defense, and that's why I'm in Shayish because we were using realms at Summer Smash uh, to give myself a bit of magic protection. But um, so, so in this, he's possibly a little bit more of a tax than normal, but Still, a plus one armor save bubble's good no matter how you, how you slice it up. The Rune Master's probably the closest thing you could say to attacks, but it's another way of getting prayers. Um, it has a decent prayer that can set terrain on fire, which can be nice against Horde armies. It's still useful. It's got e extra wounds. I think he's six wounds as opposed to five, so he's a bit tougher to kill. Yeah, he's six wounds. Uh, and you, you want two heroes up with your Fire Slayers for Lords of the Lodge, just in case one does get pocked. So, sort of attacks, but not really at the end of the day. So, by the way, the banner rule that you're talking about is the none shall defile the icon. And um, the Volcanoes calls an interesting piece from the Rune Master because a lot of armies are now coming with faction terrain. And for some of them, they're hugging they're hugging that for a buff. You know, the Gitz Loon yeah. Shrine will give you immunity to battle shock. Skaven are hug hugging theirs to get plus one to cast. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different ones that are, you know, really synergizing well. Uh, or, hey, you know, you've got yourself the the Seraphon Temple and maybe you've garrisoned a, a, a wizard in there. Boom, you know, cast that prayer and do some mortal wounds and treat that terrain piece as deadly as well. So um, poor old Sylvaneth. Yep, 30 dryads in a, in a woods are uh, <laughs> tasty. Yep. I've got to call this out. Uh, Angus has, has mentioned a game that he recently played Um and he was just saying he, he uh, broke every weapon on Marathi except uh, Marathi's snake head. Oh, uh, that's right. Poor Marathi. Right. Poor Marathi. But, you know, like, like overall, you're putting a lot of points into your heroes because they are ultimate buff pieces and you've got yourself your 20 Hearthguard Berserkers, your 10 Hearthguard Berserkers, and your 10 Volgite Berserkers. Am I right to assume that the 20 is going into the battalion for the double pile-in? Yeah, absolutely. 
absolutely. And I've taken all broad axes. This is the question you'll see if you ever venture into any kind of fire slayer forum, which most people don't. Um, there's always the question, do I take the pole axes or do I take the broad axes? It's asked ad nauseum. Why I've got the broad axes is because there's a lot of things now that are forcing you to reroll hits of six, and that makes those pole axes really bad. Uh, all their damage is from that roll to hit of a six. So when you're forced to reroll it, not so great. I've also got two rune smiters who allow you to reroll wounds, and on the broad axes, that's really, really good. Plus one to hit from the uh, the Vostok command ability, rerolling wounds on the broad axes, you're hitting on twos, you're rerolling threes to wound. Very, very good output on a, on a unit that's doing neg one ren two damage with a two inch reach um, and, and attacking twice. It just makes them just absolute steam drains plowing through anything that they come to combat with. So, And that's why they have that reputation that they do have. Um, that's why I've gone for the axes, because again, it's just that reliability that this army puts out. Um, yeah, so I'm sure that yeah. question will come up at some point, but that's why. There's always there's always the question: Do I arm my gits with you know spears or stabbers? Do I arm my Kurnoth hunters with sides, bows, or swords? It's always like the question of every Facebook group is: What yep. what do I arm? What's best? And I guess there's yeah. an argument, right? Like if you're not in a meta that forces the rerolls to hit, you know the flame flame start sp strike pole axe. Uh, inflicting two mortal wounds in addition to the normal damage, but mind you, there's no rend and it's only damage one. So you're really fishing for those sixes if you take the flame strike pole axe. Um, yep. But if you've got the broad axe, you are getting more consistency. They're all still hitting on threes, wounding on threes for both weapons, but you're getting rend one for two damage. So yeah. um, it's real good. you're not fishing for sixes. No, and uh, and that's where that extra rend can come in handy. You know, if you're fighting more tech, you want that rend as well. Um, it's, it all comes down to reliability. It's very, very reliable. In saying that against Mortec, you also want to do the mortal wounds. You just straight That's up. Ign you, can ignore, you can ignore their stupid shield wall. But the thing, that, the thing that the thing that that really makes them uh, super awesome uh, or super jerky, depending on which side you're on, is the duty unto death, making them um, a six up, feel no pain to wounds or mortal wounds. Or if there is a hero within 10 inches, uh, you're getting plus two to that roll. So it's basically meaning they've got a, a regular armor save of five up, but then getting an additional possibly four up. It should be. You really should be keeping, for every unit of Hearthguard oh, yeah. Berserkers, you always should be having a minor hero Absolutely. minimum supporting them to make them a four plus. Absolutely. And that's, again, that comes back to, are those heroes taxes? Not really, because you need them anyway. So... It's it's fine. You have to have them. Um, the other thing is too. Yes, there are base armor save a five up, but the battlesmiths give them plus one. There's so many armor save bubbles in this list that often Hearthguard can be a four up, three up into a four up, uh, and that's where that durability you were talking about earlier comes from. They're just good armor save and a really good after save as well. On a two wound model, is yeah. a lot. It's hard to trigger. So so you told me how amazing Hearthguard Berserkers is, and you know, for anyone who's ever played against Fire Slayers, you don't need. I was coached to tell you how good fire berserkers are. So why have you? Why do you have a unit of ten? Um, and why do you have a unit of Volkite berserkers? Like why wouldn't I just go three units of Hearthguard? And why wouldn't I just put in, you know, units of twenty? Like max them out. Because uh, I ran out of points, mostly. Um, it, yeah, it, look, a unit of ten is still really, really tough. Um, the reason you got the Volkites in there because you don't have to babysit them with a hero. You do start running out of heroes after a while. And in this list, you really want to be throwing your Magma Jots forward. The Volkites have a few niche abilities that can come in handy. They're a little bit better armor-saved base in combat. 
Um, they can throw their shields on the charge for a couple of mortal wounds if you're lucky. Um, but mostly they're just a good either screen or a good backfield objective holder that you can string out, 32 mil base, and you can really just block off a huge bit of uh, bit of the area from deep strikes and stuff like that. So still not easy to kill, but people still have to take them down. So um, they're cheap, cost-effective. Um, that's that's the main reason they're in there, and points. So taking the Volkite Berserkers allows you to put the extra points into your Hearthguard Berserkers. Otherwise, um, otherwise, and, and this is where uh, I mentioned right at the start of the show that this is a not a traditional Fire Slayers list. So no. what you would normally see is big blocks of uh, up to 20 Hearthguard Berserkers. I remember back in the day you could take 30. Um, oh, it was disgusting. It was disgusting trying to chew through 30 uh, Hearthguard Berserkers, but even still 20 is brutal. So if you were building a non-traditional, if, if you were building like an internet list or a traditional list, you'd be getting like three units of Hearthguard Berserkers. You wouldn't be putting as many points into your Magma Dross. You'd be putting in more points into uh, into your small heroes. You would still have to take the Ruined Lord because of Lords of the Lodge, but you would have more support troops and just making these big blocks of durable Hearthguard Berserkers that are just going to run up the board, hold. You know, you've got your four-up armor save. You can run and charge. You can do all this stuff and, you know, double piling in when possible. Exactly. So you still see Volkites pop up in some lists, and it's, it's purely just a points consideration usually. If you could take 10 Hearthguard and have the hero to babysit them, you absolutely would. It's the fact that you don't have to babysit them that generally makes them the, the slam in there at the end. Which is the hero that make, lets you tunnel? I know we were talking about it before offline. Yeah. So that's the Rune Smiter, but they don't get that ability when they're on a Magma Drop. They lose that ability. So, But they gain that plus one armor save bubble instead, which is a good trade-off in this list. Um yeah, so you don't have that tunneling in this list, which is a shame because it is a really good tool of the Fire Slayers, but you've got all that extra speed to make up for it, so you're not as fussed uh, in this list. I mean, you know, you, you've got plenty of tools. I mean, I think you can live without one extra tool of tunneling. But again, if you were going to drop a Magma Droth and, and take a Rune Master instead, is it Rune Master? Rune Smiter. Rune Smiter. You... Very similar. Everything's a Berserker or a Rune something, so it doesn't help. <laughs> but if you took one off a magma droth, you would be able to tunnel a unit of, a unit of berserkers as opposed to running them up the board. But hey, with the guaranteed six and the run, the guaranteed run roll of six and being able to run and charge, um, yep. it actually it actually might work out better because you when you tunnel, yep. you've still got to be outside of nine, right? You do. Yep. Absolutely. So, so you know, like, so yeah. So using those abilities, you know, there's a very good chance you're going to be. Uh, much closer to your opponent, and uh, a, a charge roll of a nine is uh, a seventy-five percent failure rate. Where if you can get yourself closer to, you know, six, you're at you know over fifty percent success. You know, so you you know you want to get those those command points away from being spent for for run and charge. You want to keep them for your rerolls. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's that good reliability. Movement's pretty key in this game. So being able to position yourself early. Um, it's very, very handy. And and that's like, as, an, a, as a Fire Slayer uh, opponent, one of the ways that I've beaten Fire Slayers as well is, you know, because some of the armies that I run don't have shooting. You know, Gloomspite Gits, for example, doesn't have a lot of shooting. So taking down uh, a Battlesmith or a, a Rune Master is quite difficult, especially like yeah. my archers hit on fives, so hitting on sixes is hot garbage. But another way is pinning you in your in your deployment. So stopping you from getting closer. Yeah, you might be durable, but the longer I keep you away from your objective, 
Um, yeah, you eventually might beat me, but hopefully I've got enough of a lead in victory points that it'll be just too hard to catch up. So um, and look, that's it, another way you don't have to kill them, but you can pin them. Yeah, and like you said, most lists aren't taking Magma Joss, so you're only moving four inches. So if you pin us down for a turn or two and just sort of hang back a bit, it could take us a couple of turns to get there. So um, it's it's a good good tactic against it if you can do it. Yeah, like, like you know, you don't have to kill them like you don't have to no. destroy them like there are ways to beat them and pinning is a perfect example and just keeping them away from objectives yeah so you got your lords of the lodge which is going to let you double pile in uh once yep. the the unit of hearthguard berserkers uh has attacked which is crazy good um it's so good so good especially with the unit of 20 hearthguard berserkers you apply the rune you apply all these different buffs we've talked about with re-rolls or, you know, adding plus one to hit, you know, some yep. X, Y, Z. Talk to me about this endless spell, endless prayer. Just quickly, one of the things that people miss in Lord of the Lodge is you don't have to be within three inches to do the second pylon. So if you charge, you can then still pile in three inches. So it's good repositioning as well. So Slanesh, for example, had to be within three inches to do it. Fireslays don't, so... Um, it's something to be mindful of. It gives you that little bit of extra speed bubble. So if you're learning to play the army, it's often overlooked. But the firewall is one of the three endless spells we have, but it's a defensive one. Um, the other two are more offensive. But the firewall is much like the um, the endless spell that uh, blocks line of sight. Functions in pretty much the same way. Um, the wording on it's a little bit unusual. It's uh, I think it's if a, a model is measuring its distance or you're talking about throwing the line of sight a model can't see line another line. model uh if there's an imaginary straight line basically you know essentially you draw a wall uh yeah. unless the model's going to fly you can't see uh you can't exactly. see it and it's from the middle of the base to the middle of the base that's the wording yes. the rule so the thing with that is a 32 mil base that's standing flush up against it is always going to be within one inch of the firewall mm. so you can't shoot them you can't see them to shoot them. And that gives you, you know, the whole plan of shoot the heroes. The firewall's in there to try and protect you against that. Um, a lot of magic requires line of sight as well. Now, things like uh, KO or... Uh, KO can get around it a little bit, but techless or um, anything that has those AOE mortals, the yeah. firewall doesn't do anything against it. Um, no, like 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 Lord Croak or uh, the Lord Star Croak, Drake, the, the Star Drake's Reign exactly. of Stars. They yep. are just like because it's just like area of effect, like it's just boom. Yep. But Absolutely. someone like Techless or maybe Machine Gun Nagash, who just does like uh, yep. eight <laughs> eight arcane yep. bolts. Yep. Um, that's so going to protect you well. Yeah. yeah, and you've really got to think carefully about where you want to place it because once it's down, you don't have control over that. You just roll off at the end of each turn. So sometimes you kind of hope it goes away to reposition it but you don't have control over that. So you really need to think about it if you're going to be moving up. Um, the other thing it does is it gives you, again, another reroll armor saves or one bubble. Um, so there's a lot of that sort of mystic shield bubbling going on in this army. So That's sort of a nice little really combination nice. as well with imp uh, impoverished yeah. to heat. Yeah. Yeah. And the Magma Joth can actually move over it. It's a special rule that they have. So it doesn't actually uh, block you in because quite often early on, especially when you're learning to use firewall, you will absolutely stuff up and block yourself in. <laughs> and you're a four-inch move and you've got to move around your own firewall. You're like, oh, what did I do that for? The Magma Joss don't care. And that's exactly their ruling. They don't care. They're impervious to the heat because they are lava themselves. So from a fluff perspective, it's really cool. Um, mm. And it allows you to sort of screen things off and have these Magma Joths charge up over the top and stuff like that. It doesn't get to happen very often in-game, in but... Uh, it's it's cool fun. So, and then it also allows you to re-roll save rolls of one 
yeah. they attack fire, fire slayers within 12 as well. Yep. So not only are you not being targeted because you're within one inch of the base, but then anything within 12. So it almost allows you to extend that rune of getting plus one to your armor save, also re-roll to your armor save yep. and keeping a command point up your sleeve because you've now got the rune who's the, the sorry, the endless prayer or endless spell doing it. Or exactly. it might mean you can keep that rune up your sleeve a little bit longer while yep. the firewall is on the table. Exactly. And again, it's another reason to make better use of your uh, terrain. You don't have to pop that terrain at the start of the game because you've got other ways to reroll ones anyway. So, you know, if you can position it right and get more use out of that, you can then use the firewall to reroll your ones and so on and so forth. It's a prayer, so they can't get rid of it. Your opponent would, can't sell it. I was just about to say that uh, as yep. an opponent, it grinds yep. my gears that I can't take down the corn hex gorgeous skulls because that hurts yep. me. And yep. looking at this, uh, I can't dispel it. So if I have a priest, I can't dispel it. If I have a wizard, I can't dispel it. As an opponent, I can't do anything. It is up to you no. to roll that three up. You get it, you yep. get it, you don't, you don't. Exactly. And it's great at even just blocking other people off. Like if there's a big unit, you want to make them walk around it, you put it in there and slow them down. It's also yeah. really good for that because they can't get rid of it. It is notoriously unreliable for me. Um, I have lost games because it just I couldn't roll a three up to save myself or it's it's dropped away at the exact wrong turn. I was like, oh, no. Um, so you do have to think about that. You can't rely on it sticking up. You have to have a contingency plan. Um, but when it stays up, it's so good. And that's why it's often in the list. I've, I've tried playing around with a few alternative lists and the firewall is really the only spot that I try and swap out. Sometimes I put in some Aether, uh, Aether Wings when I've had a few games in a row of not being able to roll the damn thing. But I always come back to it because against those key matchups, your weakness is shooting. This helps you protect against that shooting. So, yeah. When, when it goes, I mean, Aether Wings are nice for 40 points. You know, even if you had 50 spare points, the command point would be nice. But just the abilities of being able to uh, to block off line of sight, being able to re-roll armor rolls of one, uh, to be able to pass through it as magma droths, that's a, a pretty pretty tasty investment. Is the molten um, the molten or the flame spitter endless spells? Would you bring them into your list for a different reason, or you just yeah. find the defensive power just stacks super well with what you're already doing? Because you've already got so many synergies, right? You know, between the the prayer of ashes, uh, you've already got the four up invulnerable save for the you know, feel no pains. The, you know, you've got so much endurance here, even with Cole Heart Ancient. Um, um, I like the Flame Spitter. I do use it occasionally. Um, it's good for clearing hordes. It's even good for trying to take a few wins off a hero if you're trying to get lucky. The third one, I don't even remember its name because I literally don't use it, um, unfortunately, because it's a really cool model. Um, but it's got a, a random roll and, and things like that. So it just often doesn't end up doing anything because it's just short range and, yeah. So... I've got to ask this question. I've got to ask this question because uh, he is essentially like a, a pseudo fire slayer. Maybe one day he will become the new fire slayer king. But you've got Gotrek. Yep. Is Gotrek worth putting into your list or even just a generic fire slayer list in general? Like, what's your thoughts with Gotrek, being that he is essentially one quarter of a 2000 point army? I could take 20 Hearthguard and a hero for the same points. I'd rather 20 Hearthguard. Um, they're just better at taking objectives. They've got more staying power, arguably. Um, they'll dish out more damage, potentially. So I think Gotrek's cool, but you're not getting any real benefit from your allegiance abilities or anything like that. Um, you know, so you can't make him fast or, or any of that kind of stuff. So, 
no, I don't think so. I think he's better suited in cities or deep kin or something like that. And I was going to say, like, as a cities player, I've worked out a few little ways to get really good value out of him, especially in something like Hammer Halls, you know, get Wings of Fire. You can get, you know, uh, there's the uh, there's a, a Battle Mage has a, a, a spell, but the fact that you're your runes won't benefit him. So you're not going to be able to get plus two to movement. You're not going to be able to get plus one to charge. You know, all of that stuff is independent. He is quite slow. So if you took him, he'll do his job, but probably probably take a couple of turns to get him to combat. 20 20 Hearthguard can do the same job. And you're probably better off, like, get a tunneling block of Hearthguard instead. Exactly. So unfortunately, because he is a cool model, but... Um, I don't think he's worth it in five size, no. No, it makes sense. I think the challenge with um, with with your army is that there's just so so many points going into, especially your core troops, and then making your core troops better, which then makes me think about your allies. You know, you've got Dispossessed, Ironwood Arsenal, you've got your Carriage and Overlords, you've got your Stormcast. Would you bring in something like, like I, I could see you bringing in like a gun hauler, for example, or two gun haulers, 130 points, they can fly high, they're relatively independent. Yep. You, could, you could get like a gun hauler with a bunch of balloon boys, uh, like your wardens or your engine riggers. Uh, and they would kind of. Um, with like the Hermdar, because you're not very fast, they've got that speed and flexibility to sort of, if, if you're planning it to be cheeky, now you've got something that can pop over and take that. So in those lists, gun haulers are not bad at all, I think, yeah. What about things like uh, your gyrocopters? Um, I've thought about them. Um, I think they're I think they're all right actually, but I often find that it's a points thing. Um, Hearthguard are pretty expensive points wise, so you don't often have a lot of points to play with. I quite like Aether Wings as well at forty points because that can be a quick little unit that can zip up, take an early objective, and almost bait your opponent to move up a bit mm. quicker to charge them, and that leaves you a little bit closer to charge counter charge them. So. Um, I've always found eighth wings to be a fun little fun little unit, especially now at forty points. Um, I took I took them at fifty when they were fifty points. I still thought they were good value, even just as screening units, cheap objective scorers. Yep. Um, but I think yeah, like when I look at your list, I think the challenge is is just things are so expensive. Your battle lines expensive. Your heroes are expensive. Um, yep. And Hearth to- get a unit discount, so you really kind of want to get to twenty if you can to make the most of it. So yeah. Mm. No, I dig it. I dig it. Um, is there any other changes you'd possibly make? I know you've just had your um, you you you've just had uh, summer smash, uh, yep. based off off what you played and you know like, like the meta. You know, I think about things like Lumineth. I know in in the UK, for example, you're seeing a lot of archer builds are so doing you know eighty shots yep. blocking line of sight. They could take down your heroes probably. They'd sure. snipe them pretty quickly. Um, Techless, uh, you know, Zench, you know, some of the some of those meta armies. Is it is there any changes that you would make in the future, or you, you think it's quite solid for what it is? Look, I think it's pretty solid for what it is. Those armies are always going to be a struggle no matter what you do because they can outdrop you. There's not much you can do about it. You can't get fire slayers to be a really low drop army. Um, you take really big concessions to do so, and it probably hurts more than not being low drop. Um, I've been fortunate that I get to play Lumineth as often as I would like to. Um, we've got a local player who's very good with them. Um, so I get to play them a lot. I find the speed is where you try and overcome that. You try and just get up in their face quickly and try and deal with it. Um, yeah, 80 shots of archers don't do much when you manage to kill 40 of them turn one. So um, you just try and get up in their face as quick as possible. It's one of the reasons I've moved away from the anti-magic bubble that you see most people take. It's an artifact that the battlesmith can take. But with the likes of Croak and and uh, techless there's only so many four ups to ignore magic you can roll before mm-hmm. you start to fail some 
So this is just a case of you know very basic, you know, good good defense is a good offense. <laughs> Get up in there and um, put put it on them to think about what are they going to do, um, and they might not be used to that and try and make them to make mistakes and things like that. So I, I've tried playing around with the different lists, but because you got Lord of the Lodge, there's a huge chunk of points. You're going with the three Magma Joss. That's a particular build around. And at that point, you really don't have any points left at all. So there's not a lot of flexibility, and there's not a lot of unit options in Fireslays either. Um, no, like I'm looking at put your, yeah. I'm looking at your your army selection now, and you know you've got you know the Underworld's Warband, you've got Doom Seekers, you know you, we we mentioned earlier you might bring in the Grimwrath Berserker, uh, but otherwise you know you, you and obviously we could drop the Magma Drops and and bring in more Hearthguard and turn that Volkite into a Hearthguard, but. Uh, other than that, I know. Other than pulling in allies, you know, you, you, you've only got so many tools to play with. You do, yeah. And I, I, honestly, I got a little bit sick of playing with nothing but Hearthguard. It's the it's the go to build, but it, it can get pretty boring after a couple of years nonstop playing the army. Um, there's not a lot of flexibility in it, so that's why I'm shying away from that. Uh, is it a better list? Maybe. I think for the pack that we played in, there's a lot of missions that require good movement. And those lists really suffer heavily from anything that requires movement, especially like mid to late game. So, you know, Star Strike or anything like that. So I think it really depends on what the mission pack will look like as to whether or not this list might be better. Um, I think it's slow speed against all this shooting is problematic. You can't catch KO uh, unless they make a mistake. You can't, uh, you can't really catch up to Zinch. You can't close the gap on Lumineth quick enough. Um, so I think this list at the moment probably overcomes the biggest weaknesses as best as it can. So yeah. I like it. No, look, I like it. You know, again, um, it's a different build. Um, I think there's a lot of Fire Slayers players who have probably got a bunch of Magma Droths but haven't found a reason to play with them other than that forced one with Lords of the Lodge and, you know, having that larger base. But I think bringing a second one, bringing a third one, I think at least if nothing more, give it a try. It's a bit of fun. Uh, you are doing well. It's got some speed as well. So I think that's one yeah. thing it's got up. It's, and it's got more wounds on on a hero, on Magma Droth, and just generally the buff range from being on such a larger base compared to your small little troops. The amount of times I've caught off a Fire Slayer's opponent by stretching them out and getting them outside of those 12-inch buffs uh this is just much more generous yeah yeah it's uh it's good and it's it's a lot easier to sort of to play because you're just smashing those magma joss up turn one arguably it's easy to play but i guess i'm used to the army <laughs> been playing them relentlessly for several years now so um but yeah you're not you're not thinking about oh if i roll a six to run on my earth guard and i roll a one on my battlesmith oh, what do i do then you know it's, everything's just moving six inches turn one so um that's a lot. Well, I like it. Do that, do that baiting, so to speak. Yeah. Maybe the final question I've got for you is: Is there anything that you've learnt, kind of, through your experience that might not be as obvious or evident that if I pick this army up for the first time, I wouldn't notice? And I, 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 obviously, I've kept calling out the buff range, the buff range, the buff range. I'm used to 24s and 18 inch kind of ranges. Yeah. Uh, 12 and on 32 mil bases is something that. Uh, that reminds me of when I played Gits and I had like hordes of 60 and I had to within 12, like I'm just very manipulating and bubbling and, you know, trying to manoeuvre units within range. But is there anything else that, you know, I should think about as a, a Fire Slayer player that, you know, from your experience you've picked up? Yeah, there's probably two main things and we've touched on it uh, throughout this whole video, but it's positioning is really, really important. You're slow, 
your deployment is really key. If you make a mistake in deployment, it can be very hard to fix that mistake. Even in Vostok, while you're fast turn one, you are still slow turns two onwards. Um, it can be hard to fix that mistake. And you need to sort of think a couple of turns ahead, um, probably more so than a lot of other armies. So where do you want your firewall? But where is my hero is going to be two turns after I put my firewall down if it doesn't go away? Um, where am I going to put my battlesmith, uh, my, my terrain piece? Am I going to be able to use it turns two and three? Um, where am I going to put my priest? Do put my different piece down? How mm. is that going to impact my movement turn one? Can my 20 hearth guard get around it? Things like that. So you really got to think about that carefully. Um, and some of the buff ranges you're saying, it's when they're checked also makes that positioning. So the run and charge is checked at the start of the movement phase. So if you stuff up in your deployment phase, that's it. You're done. <laughs> it's Whoops. Game over. Um, not game so over. How do, how do I avoid that? Before we Before we move on from that point, how do I avoid that? Um, I have a little reminder sheet that I always have in front of me. Play the game against mates a few times. Really make sure you remember, this is what my army does. I have to make sure he goes down and he's within range of X or X. Have a plan. So in this army, I always have the Magnadros set up in the exact same configuration. I have the Rune Father to the left or right. The Rune Smiter with all the buffs in the middle and the Rune Smiter that doesn't have any other buffs on the other side. Whatever side the Rune Father's on, the 20 Hearth Guard needs to be on as well to be all wholly within 12, and just always remember with fire size, wholly within 12. Um, you, you need to keep that in there. So, And that's where I caught out, that's where I caught out my opponents is yep. in combat they set up to be wholly within 12, but then they got excited with the pile-in and they piled in exactly. to try to wrap around, and it was that moment that they went from the perfect setup of being within 12 to double attack into stretching themselves out and having one model because it's wholly within as well, correct? So... Yeah. I think so it's wholly within. Yeah, Lord of the Lodge is another weird one in that it's checked at the start of the combat phase. So you, as long as you're wholly within 12 at the start, you can still double pile in. But if you get double turned, well, now you're not. So you really... That was you that know, was where I got them. Yeah. yeah. So they might get a bit eager and go, oh, I can get there and I can kill it. But then if you get double turned, you think, oh, actually, no, I, I don't get my ability this turn. And that can be really rough. So you really have to have a bit of restraint. You have a two-inch reach. You need to always keep checking those ranges. Um, or yeah, you'll get pulled out of the buff ranges and then you'll maybe lose a plus one armor save bubble and things like that. So um, the four up after save, unfortunately, isn't wholly within. It's just a within 10 inches. Um, so it's very hard to pull people out of that range, unfortunately. But yeah, it's um, good. The the other thing I think that I think a lot of people don't think about when you play Fire Slice for the first time is there's a bit of mind games with the army. Uh, Hearthguard have a really, really strong reputation, let's say. Um, if people know what Hearthguard are, they don't want to be in combat with them. So you can sort of try and use that to your advantage. People look at the 20 Hearthguard and Lord of the Lodge and go, I'm not going anywhere near that part of the board. And you can really try and use that to your advantage. You can, I, I often pop them down first um, in my deployment phase and people look at it and go, oh, actually, maybe I won't put that unit there. I'm going to put it over here. And it throws their battle plans off. Um, and tunneling with the Rune Smiters, if you do take it, is another one. Anything that teleports always makes people think about it, doesn't it? It, it makes it go, oh, okay, well, now I need to set some screens. And But when you're tunneling with Hearthguard, people really, really panic about it. And often I don't care about a turn one charge. I just want to pop down on an objective, but they don't know that. Um, and that's where you know, like an Aether Wing is good because it pushes you up the board and keeps you outside of uh, that, that wide nine. Um, exactly. The thing that I find with Fire Slayer's opponents is that you know, people talk about shoot the hero, take down the heroes, and it seems easier than it is. And I, you noticed, you know, turn one, I'm going to put all my firepower into the heroes and try to take it down. But because of Lookout Sir, that's a big one, keeping your little dudes next to your uh, units to cause minus one to hit. 
yep. you shoot at those 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 heroes and unless you've got a lot of ranged mortal wounds especially mortal wounds from abilities you you may realize with all the the after saves and just like some of the negs to hit um you may not take down the hero so no, you're like right yeah. and then you turn two Sorry, well, the unit we haven't talked about is the Auric Hearth Guard. They have the four-up soaking wounds for heroes. Yeah. Um, and oh, yeah, of course. Um, and that's people look at that unit and go, oh, why would you take that? Well, they're in there to protect your heroes. They're not a good shooting unit, but they will make your heroes really hard to kill. So there's another thing that is often overlooked when you might pick up the book for the first time. Um, and then, you know, you're saying, if there's a neg one to hit, you get all that through, and I roll a fall up. Well, it doesn't matter. That unit takes the damage for them anyway. So well, it can make them real tough. Well, what I notice is that people will attack the hero at the start, and they make the classic death move, which is turn two, they go, right, I just put all of my shooting into the heroes. I didn't kill it. I'm going to now shift my attention to the Hearthguard, the Velkite, whatever it might be, uh, when actually, really, you should just keep focusing on those, uh, those heroes. Yes, it might take you two turns. Yes, it might take you three turns, depending on what type of shooting you've got and how much you've got. But, but the moment you start taking down those heroes, you start reducing the power output and the defense of yep. fire slayers so as a fire slayer player protect them at all cost um and as a as an opponent you know find ways whether it's through arcane bolts whether it's you know uh, abilities uh, spells whatever it is like just just you've just got, you've got to persist you've got to even though you feel like it's wasted you've got to persist otherwise um yeah those volkites are just going to absorb damage you're going to be if you think about everything we've talked about, it all stems from the heroes. The four-up save becomes a six-up save. The three-up armor saves become five-up armor saves. All that stuff goes away when the heroes... Can't double pile in. Can't double pile in. Can't strike first. Can't run and charge. It all disappears. Yeah. And then, okay, Hearthguards still have a really good base wall scroll attack, but they're a lot weaker and they'll die in return. So suddenly, it's a good trade. Um, and that's why everyone says kill the heroes. It's one of the more important armies similar to Nighthorn, if, if a lot of people pick up Nighthorn for the first time. Without the heroes, the army starts to not function so well. You start to lose a lot of really key pieces, and it, it falls apart very quickly. And that's where you might then start pulling out the bravery um, the bravery rune um, yep. to, to try to keep those bodies alive because uh, battle-shocking fire slayers is quite enjoyable for me. Uh, probably hurts a lot for you given you know it the does. sheer durability the two wounds yeah. apiece so um that is a really handy rune to pull out when you yeah. start losing those heroes yeah and that's another thing if, if you're struggling to kill them things that can automatically kill models can really hurt so star drake's bites are really unpleasant against hearthguard if you don't pile in properly mm. um, the new uh, daughters of cain i was literally spell. about to say that yep Re those are really good because they just bypass all those saves. The things like Purple Sun can be a little bit daunting. Um, probably not as daunting oh. as it might look, but it's still good. I was thinking about my Mega Gargan stuffing some uh, dwarves in my yeah. pants. Because uh, yeah, I was going to roll a 4 plus and I'm um, stuffing yeah. you in my pants. Exactly. All that stuff's really good against her cut, so it just bypasses their rules. So Actually, there's something to watch out for. The, uh, the Mega Gargans that can stuff you in your pants, they can break your unit coherency. And while it's a jerk move and I don't like it, uh, if you string out your bodies, especially, especially yep. against a Sun's army, I could delete half your unit because you've broken coherency because you've piled in first. Star Trek. Because mine... Mine activates at the on my pile in. So if you attack first and then I pile in and you have no ability to pile in again, 
I can take up to three models, break your coherency, you can't get back. Yep. No amount of inspiring presence is going to keep that part of the unit on the table. So you'll lose 50% up to. Yep, absolutely. And that's, that's a really good good thing to do if you can't kill Hearthguard. That's, like I said, it's not great, but Hearthguard aren't great to play against sometimes. So <laughs> fair's fair. Um, Star Drakes do the same thing. And I've had it happen to me with, against a Star Drake before. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that was a mistake. You try and maximize the models and they just go, those two. And you're like, oh, hang on. I'm in some strife here. So Two wrongs don't make a right, Lisa. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> And as Dice Sagas mentioned, you know, the heroes on Magma Dross, are they easy targets? I would say they're easier targets because they don't get lookouts, sir. Uh, do Hearth Guards get to bounce those mortal wounds onto them? Cool. So you, you're ignoring cover because they're a monster, so you're not going to get any cover benefits from being on terrain. You're not getting lookouts, sir, because you've got more than X wounds. Um, and you've got... Yeah, you can't you can't get the 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 Volkite, the Hearthguard Berserkers to absorb damage on their behalf. So, I find they're much easier to kill. They might have more wounds, they do. but they're easier to kill. They are, yeah, and firewall isn't as effective for them because you can't hide your line of sight of three maple drops behind a firewall. Uh, and that's why this list is all about popping those armor saves up. So suddenly those easy to kill targets can be a little bit harder to kill again. So, yeah, and that's why things like uh, chain shows can be problematic because. They can outdrop you and just go right. Your rune father, it's dead. Um, mm. and you're, you're in some strife. Croak is a, is a really problematic matchup. Um, the Cain list Ko can be problematic if they're low enough drops. Um, but you're fast enough with your magma drops, you can actually catch them turn one if they don't deep deep in the corners. Um, and that can really be problematic for a Ko player. So if they're not careful in their positioning, uh, I think Ko a fair game. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with all the shooting, um, that was a bit rough, but that's now been nerfed with the new book. So take that, Michael. Um, hey, yeah, uh, hey, I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm an upcoming I'm an upcoming George the Cane player, but <laughs> yeah, that's I'm, because I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm, I may have bought the new book as well. So, uh, to be fair, like I'm converting mine as a as a, uh, a cult of Slanesh, so I'm not quite. Awesome. Uh, it's my it's my Con slash armies on parade. So uh, I'm not like Michael chasing the filth. <laughs> I'm going full Malusai. Nothing but snakes. So, um, are they the only other things you'd kind of point out this particular point? Um, yeah, I think they're, they're not, they don't have a lot of options. So, there's not a lot of depth and complexity to the army, unfortunately. There's there's a little bit of room to play, but it's not, um, you know, it's not cities where you've got 70 odd wall scrolls. Um, there's only so many things you can do. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah, no, look, you know, you you do have some options as well in your allies if you do want to find yeah. some variety. You know, you've got um, the Arbworld Arsenal will allow you to bring, like, rocket batteries if you want some shooting from afar. You know, you've got your, your Dispossess, you could bring you uh, – well, Dispossess, you could bring some Iron Drakes or um, get yourself yep. some some Hammerers or a Warding King. Yep. Your KO can get yourself a boat, uh, yep. Gun Haulers or Engine Riggers. And Stormcast, yep. obviously, you know, you could get yep. – there's a lot of other armies too that can actually take fire slayers. So KO have one of their um, skyports where you can bring a unit of dwarves, which includes fire slayers. Um, mm. So you can take an army that's you know two two thirds KO, one third uh, and uh, hearthguard because that's what you're taking. Um, uh, Sylvaneth, I know Sylvaneth aren't great, but if you want a bit of fun and you want to tone your list down, they've got the I think it's the Ironwood or something like that. Uh, um, Ironbark, the Ironbark. Iron yeah, yeah, that's the one, Ironbark, um, which is you know quite a cool little option if you want to mix and match it a little bit so um there's that other inverse as well where they're, they're good allies in their own right in those sort of one in four style builds 
um, they could be quite an interesting army to take as well. So um, as allies, they're not great because 400 points is limiting, but one in four, they're, they're an interesting take. There you go. Um, cool. Nathan, this has been awesome. This has been interesting. Uh, I might have to actually get the internet list and talk about it at some stage, but it was really nice to go through an alternative build for Fire Slayers. I hope yeah. Fire Slayers playing, uh, listening to this, uh, at least curious to put uh, three Magma Drops on the table and try something a little bit different, um, yeah. you know, give your opponent a different experience. And they might be surprised. They're like, wait a second, I've never seen these things on the table. What do they do? Uh, and I think you still uh, you still will uh, surprise them. They've got some good stuff. Um, yeah, is there anything sure. you want to shout out? I know you're a big Geelong boy, and it looks like yes. uh, the Geelong crew have jumped in the chat. Michael yes, uh, is crying a little bit uh, because we've, we've we've cut him deep. Nah, he'll get over it. Yeah, well, I just want to say hi to all the Geelong crew. I mean, it's the reason I play Warhammer. Um, we've got a great, great club down there, and it's it started out small and expanded very quickly, and it's we've never looked back. So. Um, I love it. I love all the guys there. So give them the, the biggest shout out for sure. Any any yeah, anyone in mind? Uh, anyone in particular? I'll, I'll shout out Coots and Mike because they're in the comments commenting away. But everyone in the club is awesome. There's no one standout person. Everyone's great. Um, everyone contributes. Everyone pitches in. You've got Richard. Um, you know he, he he runs our tournaments um, with Throw the Dice. You've got Coots who who's been a just a constant beacon of uh, positivity and. And things like that. You got Mike, who's great from a competitive aspect and bouncing lifts ideas off and endless chatter. So everyone, everyone in there. Uh, Dale, my best mate, who got me into AOS again in the first place. Ryan, the other bloke, got me into AOS. So all of them, uh, excellent blokes, every single one of them. So no, shout out hey, to the Geelong yeah. crew, uh, except and Michael. And Guff as well, and Guff as well, because they're the ones that host us every Tuesday. So they give us a place to play. So thanks, Paul. No, I dig it. I dig it. Well. That's it, Nathan. I think we've uh, we've talked Fire Slayers, and um, if people want to chat to you, I will put your Twitter handle down below later. I think you sent me the wrong handle, dude. I tried looking oh, you up on Twitter, and the handle you sent me didn't actually work. So Nathan's going to find me his handle. We'll put it down if you've got anything to chat. But there's an awesome Fire Slayers Facebook group as well. So if you just type that into yeah. Facebook, you'll bring it up. And they're a yeah. very, very interesting and positive group. They're not uh, a bunch of winches. So, no, um, it's pretty good. I lurk in there. I, I comment on occasion. So I can be found in there as well. Go check out your naked baby dwarf uh, faction. But uh, this was interesting. I would actually love to play this, just maybe not at Vic GT because my Garkins won't do very well against this type of build. But I would love to smash your pizza oven. Unfortunately, I'm going to miss Vic GT. I've got my sister's birthday, so I'm, I'm shattered because I like going up to Bendigo, but next time. Nathan, chat, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, let's log off, and uh, thanks, everyone. Thank you. Cheers. I hope you found that discussion valuable. If you did, give the video the old thumbs up, and if you have a comment or an insight, leave it in the comment section below. The champions over here are my AOS Coach Patreons and YouTube members. So you guys are bloody legends. Thank you for all the support. If you want to know more about the support programs, the links are below down here in the episode description, along with the link to the Discord server, so we can continue this conversation. Until next time, don't forget to name your characters and have a good one.